Good morning, church. How are you? Good. Hello. You're in the tunnel with me. Nice. Did you hear the slow? Anyway, uh, you guys are looking great. Welcome to church. Worship um, was amazing, right? I mean, I liked it, but it's not my birthday, so it doesn't really matter if I like it. Um, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't our birthday. This is for him. Uh, but I just sent such pleasure over the room, over the worship that we offered him today. Um, and so I'm excited to share with you in part one of a mini-series that we're starting. And the series that we're starting is called Next Steps. And last week, Easter was phenomenal, by the way. It was incredible. You know, every Sunday that I leave, I'm, I'm grateful that God showed up again. You know, I'm like, oh, you did it again. But then there are some Sundays that I leave where I, I sit in my car before I start the engine, and I think today was really significant for the kingdom. You know, it's like a beyond gratitude of like every Sunday that I feel, but there are some, some occasional Sundays that I'm like, I don't know what all happened, but it was significant. And last week was that for me. Um, last week was just so significant. And Team Exchange, I want to honor you and thank you for all the hard work that you put in the weeks and months before. And man, on game day, you were fired up and you could just feel the synergy and the unity. It was just amazing. It was a great day. Um, the highlight of the day was the fact that uh, people said yes to Jesus again. Yeah. We should, we should never not be awed by the fact that someone's eternity has shifted in a moment. For two reasons. The obvious reason, I think, is going from death to life is pretty amazing. It's, it's phenomenal. The scripture tells us that all of heaven worships when that happens. Um, but the second, less obvious thing is a person that walks into a church building, hears the gospel, and, and not always in a pretty little package you know, that's convenient for them to digest, but they get bits and pieces and they understand that this person died on a cross and the blood and the, you know, they're getting, they're getting, I guess, a smorgasbord of the gospel, right? And at the end of that moment, they've been moved by the presence of God. Holy Spirit is the one drawing them to repentance. And they have the courage in a service to raise their hand to say, I'm ready to make that change. That is a miracle in itself. It is a miracle in itself how the Holy Spirit just works in the lives of people. So I thought with, with such a significant Sunday on the heels of that and, and people saying yes and walking through different things, next steps would be an appropriate thing to do after Easter. Um, and so I made a list this week of what are the next steps that as Christians we should be familiar with and Listen, none of it was boring to me. None of it was dry. None of it was like, oh, I don't want to talk about baptism or, you know, any of the topics. In fact, I wrote down a few of the, the topics because there are a lot of important next steps. All right. Listen to the few I wrote down. Um, baptism is an important next step. Yeah. I'm not preaching on baptism today. We're, we're actually having baptism today at 5 p.m., if you've not signed up for that, this might be your last minute to do so. Uh, we'll go ahead and put that QR code on the screen 
at the end of service for you to be able to you know sign up for that and you'll get an email and all the details uh, but currently I think we have seven or eight people signed up for baptism at 5 p.m. tonight yeah it's great it's going to be at one of the members homes and on at Lake Pflugerville because of the construction but you know it would it would make sense for me to talk about baptism today and try to rally rally you guys to sign up and get baptized and here's what it is and um, but I just didn't feel like the Lord was on that for today. Another, another next step is communion. You know, when you say yes to Jesus and suddenly you're handed a little bottle with a wafer and juice, that can feel pretty weird. Imagine if you don't know what communion is, you've just said yes to Jesus and then you're walking to church and you're receiving communion and you're like, well, why are we drinking grape juice and a stale cracker? Do you know what I mean? So communion would be a good next topic um, fasting would be a great next topic. Baptism of the Holy Spirit would be a great next topic. Um, reading the Bible is a good next step topic. Serving is a great next step talk topic. Are you, you catching my drift? There are a lot of good next steps. Almost it's like, where do you go from here? Our next steps can feel so convoluted and overlapping and not really always a clear pathway on what's next once I've said yes to Jesus. Um, and by the way, it is always a good idea to say yes to serving. I mean, you're not serving me, you're serving Jesus. Quite, quite honestly, I'm, I'm not building this church, he is. If he wants to sustain it, he will, and if he wants to close it, I'm all right with that. I mean, not really, Lord. I, I'm all right with his will. You know what I mean? It's his, it's his thing to build this. This is not my church. It's not your church. It's not your department. It's not your carpet. It's not your lights. It's his. It's all his. And I've just found that through the avenue of serving, man, people come alive. There is such community. I, I know very few people who have ever started serving um, that then regretted it. Um, and if they did regret it, there was probably some dysfunction in the system itself, not in the, the serving, right? Um, but I will throw out a shameless plug <laughs> since I'm talking about serving right now. Uh, back in A-Kids, we're looking for volunteers because I feel more than ever, we need to provide an atmosphere and an environment for our elementary toddlers and babies to encounter a living God presence of God. I want, I want, before they leave fifth grade, I want them to know how to pray for the sick and see them recover. I, I want them to understand what baptism of the Holy Spirit is. I want them to, you know, I, I would love for your four-year-old or three-year-old to sit at the dining room table this Thanksgiving and great grandma from Pennsylvania says, hey, have him pray. And this kid just says a a prayer with such authority and power that your entire family gets saved because of the prayer of a three-year-old. Do you know what I mean? This is the vision Carrie and I have for our e-kids. Currently, all of our children are in one space. We're still relaunching thanks to this little thing called COVID, and we've now gone just over a year, I think. Um, and we just need more volunteers. To accomplish this vision, we, we need more volunteers. We need people who are passionate about the next generation. People who aren't saying, my time is done. I've, I've paid my dues. My kids are grown up and gone. This isn't about dues. This is about investing. 
investing in the lives of children who are gonna change the world. Listen, I can't think of any other generation in human history that has been more attacked than this generation. The enemy is after them. He's trying to deceive them. He's trying to, to trap them in guilt and shame. The average age for getting addicted to pornography, 11 years old. You think the enemy is not out trying to get our children. He is. But in this house, we have a vision of empowering, equipping our kids, letting purpose come alive in them. We don't wait until they can stand on a platform and play the drums or get behind a camera. We want them serving and loving and leading at three years old, two years old, in diapers. Amen. Anyway, my sermon's not, my sermon's not on uh, serving, but I just needed, I needed to throw that in there for you. My sermon today is on another next step, and I just felt like, and this is not the most important next step, it's just the one the Lord wanted me to share today, all right? I want to talk to you about hearing the voice of God. I think, I think it is very important, before we get through the mechanics of, of church culture or tradition or symbolism or you know, whether it's baptism, communion, and all of these things are important. But once you say yes to Jesus, my next goal for you is that night to hear the voice of God in your life. Once you can hear the voice of God, he will lead you to the waters of baptism. Once you can hear the voice of God, he will walk you through the, the communion process and the serving and all, all of these other things. So I want us just for today, for the next 18, 20 minutes to focus on Hearing the voice of God. And I'm not going to give you everything you need to know, all right? I'm probably going to come back next week and pick up some more time on this topic in itself because I think it's so critical. Um, but will you stand with me as we read our text today? Our text comes from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door, that's Jesus, is the shepherd of the sheep. There are things trying to sneak into your sheep pen trying to convince you it's your shepherd trying to convince you to listen to its voice trying to convince you that you should follow it but Jesus enters by the door and he's the shepherd of the sheep to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. His sheep knows his voice. His sheep knows his voice. Then jump down to verse 14, says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by them, as the and known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Everybody say, other sheep. Look at your neighbor say, you're probably an other sheep. 
Just to get the context, when Jesus is first talking about the sheep, he's referring to the Jews, all right? Now, you might be a Jew in the room, and if Jew are a Jew, that's okay. The first bit applies to you, but if you are not a Jew and you are a Gentile, this part applies to you. When Jesus said, I have other sheep, he's talking about Gentiles. I have other sheep, which are not of this fold, the Jews. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Are you glad that God included a second category of other sheep? And other sheep that will hear his voice, and he will know them by name. The title of my message today is Welcome to the Herd. Welcome to the Herd. And herd is not misspelled. I know that a herd of sheep is H-E-R-D. But I hope that you're going to be welcome to the herd today. Welcome to the herd. Side note. There's this thing going around the younger generation that when you tell them something, they say, herd. I hate that. I mean, you can still do it. I I called and ordered something. I called and ordered lunch the other day. And the guy asked me to clarify what kind of drink or something, and I did. And he just said, herd. Welcome to the herd. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would just let this word come alive in our hearts today and the remaining time that we have. God, let us hear your voice more clearly than ever before. God, you want to speak to your children, so we just lay our ears open today to hear from heaven. In Jesus' name, I pray, let the church say, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. The enemy wants to convince you that God has a hotline to certain people and that God only talks very clearly to the elite Christians of the world. The pastors with the lapel mics or the handhelds or, or the people in full-time ministry or the workers at the church or the people that are on the TV screen or the preachers who have led thousands to the Lord or the, the people who are so compassionate that they're feeding thousands of orphans, only God surely must be talking to them. The enemy would love for you to think that you're not in that list of people that God wants to talk to. And the truth is, God wants to talk to you just as much as he talks to me, just as much as he talked to Billy Graham, just as much as he talked to Mother Teresa, just as much as he talked to Jesus Christ while in the garden, God wants to talk to you. Uh, we're not doing that elite, but if that's in your mind, consider yourself elite today. If you think only God wants to talk to the cream of the crop, the best of the best, well, I've got good news for you. You're cream of the crop and best of the best. You made the cut. You you went up to the gym door to see the volleyball team and you, you found your name at the top of the list today. I, does that make you excited? I, it should, and maybe, maybe, maybe this just needs to settle rather than joking. I just need to have a heart-to-heart -heart with you. Brian, there is no one on earth that God has ever loved more than you. Do you believe that? 
Marilyn, there is no one else on earth who pleases God more than you. Lydia, there is no one else on earth that God has more fun with than you. Mostly when you're driving, he says. That's a joke. That's a joke. He didn't really say that. Can we just just suspend our reality of what we believe to be true for for the next 10 minutes and, and hear me and believe me? God wants to speak to you. He desperately wants to talk to you and, and not about the rebuke and the correction. And then he'll do that too. But he just wants to spend time with you. He will speak to anyone that wants to listen. I started listening to the Lord. I don't know. I probably heard him long before I started listening to my parents. I don't know why that is. Um, I gave my, my parents grief for my entire teen years, but somewhere in my teen years, I started to develop a a really deep connection with the Lord. And I was around 15, 16 years old, and um, we were at a church. We were in a singing group called Family Resemblance. We sang Southern gospel music and traveled throughout Texas and Southern states and uh, rode, rode a bus. My dad, my mom and my dad were kind of Founders of this group is a family group, plus some other people we adopted as family, and we went and sang, and it was, it was ministry, heavy, hard ministry. We were weekend warriors, and um, I remember we were at this church, and I'm sitting on the back row, and I, I think maybe we were there to sing, but I'm sitting on the second to last back row, and I hear audibly, Michael is missing, Audibly, as clear as you're hearing me talk right now, I heard Michael is missing. And I turned around and I looked and there was no one behind me. Well, of course, that freaked me out a little bit. And, uh, you know, oftentimes we ask God to show himself to us. And then when he does, we cover our eyes, you know. And that's why I think anytime in the Bible he interacts with people, he starts out with, don't be afraid. You know, don't worry. And uh, so I heard Michael is missing, and I told my parents, and I'm, I'm shaking, and I'm bawling. And, and I, I've heard people say that God doesn't audibly speak anymore. And I follow their logic. But the problem is, when he's done it to you, I was either crazy, which may not be off the table, or he really can and does speak out loud. Now, it's never happened since, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But we went to the pastor, pastor's son, his name was Michael, and he actually didn't make it home in time for church that evening. They couldn't find him. Michael was, in fact, missing. They did get home that evening and found him, and he was home. He was safe, so there was nothing nefarious going on, and it would be easy for me to say, well, why did you tell me that, God? If, if he was kind of missing from dinner and missing from church, but not really missing, why go through all the trouble of the audible? And the Lord, just let me know, I'm proving to you that I want to speak to you. I'm proving to you that you can hear my voice. Now, I don't, I don't know that he would do that for you if you were to go home and say, God, you did it for Trey. You're no respecter of person. Speak loud to me. You know, I don't know that he would do that. But he did for me. He did. And I learned at a very early age that I can hear God. 
I also learned at an early age that I can think I hear God, but I haven't heard God. There's another story, equally amusing, about the same age, we're traveling on the bus. I think I was 16, maybe 17. It would be shameful if I were 18. But somewhere in the driving years, the Lord told me to go to that brand new car dealership and offer them the $100 in my pocket, and they were going to give me a brand new car. I, I, knew the, I knew he told me it. I would, have, I would have just bet my life on it. So I leave the bus. I've, we were probably singing that night. We had set up, and I leave the bus, and I walk because it's in the visual distance. This is, you know, I didn't have phones and uh, maps or any of that. And I see it, and I'm walking, and I am just thanking the Lord already for my new car. And I am, you know, I'm not picky. They can give me any color, red, white, blue. I just, I need some wheels, Jesus. And we're not in Austin, but I can drive that thing. I'll follow the bus back home, and I'm making plans on what's going to play on the radio. And I go in to this new car dealer, and they greet me there, the 16, 17-year-old, and they invite me back to the table. And as confident and, wow, I just think back to these, this moment. I said, sir, the Lord told me that I'm going to give you this $100 and you're going to give me a new car. What? God told me that you have a new car for me. I've got a, like, like that was like, I've got $100. <laughs> he said, son, I don't, I don't think you understand. These are brand new cars. You might can go to, um, there's a used lot called Jerry's Lot down the, <laughs> down the way. They might have something for 100 but even there, I don't think so. And so that was the moment that I learned I could really misread God. I just knew he had told me, but y'all, he didn't. He didn't. And, and so you and I have to be careful in this whole discussion of hearing God that we understand we might make a mistake. I might mishear God from time to time. You might mishear God from time to time. And we actually don't always have to blame God for everything that we hear. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we can move and, and do things without always saying God said. If God really did say it, you don't have to authorize it with the God said. It's going to come to pass anyway. The main difference between an unbeliever and a believer. You ever thought about that? What's the main difference? The main difference between an unbeliever and a believer is, from what I reckon, a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the main difference. I mean, aside from this little detail of one's going to hell, the other's going to heaven, that's a pretty big difference. But when you just look at the daily life, a believer has a personal relationship with Jesus, an unbeliever doesn't. And I won't get too technical because I don't actually believe that every believer has a personal relationship with Jesus. Not everyone that is saved is a disciple of Jesus and understands what a personal relationship with Jesus is. And that's kind of our goal as a church, to take you from salvation uh, to being a believer into being a disciple where you start to hear from Holy Spirit, respond to Holy Spirit, and obey Holy Spirit. The goal isn't, church, just to hear Holy Spirit. The goal is to hear and heed what he says. 
that's, that's moving in, into this area of maturity. And so we have to be careful um, not, not to get too enamored with hearing the voice of God. And I don't want to minimize it, but I want to be careful that you don't make an idol out of hearing from God. That you don't make an idol out of getting dreams from God. That you don't make an idol out of visions from God. That you don't get an, have an idol, make an idol out of your quiet time with God, right? We do want to hear from God, but hearing from God is based on God's goodness. It's heeding what we hear and obeying what we hear that really shows our intimacy with the Lord. So that's great. If you, if you hear from God, great. Just continue through the process so that you can heed. And that's where it becomes difficult. It's important for me to kind of just take my time with this because Revelations 3, first three chapters of Revelation, Jesus is writing to seven churches. And we know that these seven churches throughout time have been present. Um, we know that also there were literally seven churches that form a circle when you look at the map uh, that these three chapters are talking to. But specifically in Revelation chapter 3, the final church that Jesus is talking about, many believe, and I would say they're correct, it's the current age that we live in, right? Jesus is addressing the church in Laodicea. Um, and many would say that the current church of 2022, when I say church, like everything you picture with church, the building, the people, the ministries, the, the TV programs, like just globally, just church. Many would say that we're in the age of the Laodiceans, okay? Did I say that right? Laodiceans, yeah. Now, what is that age? Let's read it real quick together so we understand the importance. And to the angel of the church of Laodicean, write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent." Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know the biggest problem with the last day's church? A lukewarm church? It's a church that won't listen. It's a church that won't hear God. He, he says he wants to give you counsel. What does that mean? He wants to give you advice. He wants to talk with you. But these people are so caught up in what they have and what they're doing and how life is great and the religion that they've created that they don't actually hear from him. 
I don't want to stand before the throne in the last day and give an account for a local church, a body of believers who thought it was okay to go through the motions of religion. I, I want to give an account and say, we did everything we could to hear from you. We may not have done it right. We may have made some mistakes. We may have asked for a hundred dollar car. But we did everything we could to hear you. I want to be known as a, a people that hear the Lord. So hearing from God, I, I won't tell you today all, all the tips and tricks and how you, you can just go home tonight and hear from the Lord, but let me just lay a foundation for next week as we go deeper. There are three things about hearing from the Lord that you need to know. Number one, it's innate. You, you were born again with the ability to hear from God. Are you following me? You don't have to reach a, a certain time of year. It's not after 10 years of faithful church attendance. Now you get to hear from God. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you are now qualified to hear his voice. It said, my sheep hear my voice. The qualification is sheep. And get this, there are some goats that he'll confront and they'll hear his voice, but you don't want to hear that voice. But as a, a sheep, you are already qualified. If, if you said yes to Jesus, you are qualified to hear from God. Now listen, he calls us sheep, but that's not, um, that's not like something exciting. You read that and you think, oh, how cute. We're little sheep. It's not cute. It's almost an insult. Sheep are the dumbest animals you will ever know. Sheep have been known to walk off cliffs, walk into fires. Sheep will go wherever the herd goes without any regard to if it's dangerous or if there's food there. They're just, oh, this is where we're going today. Okay, oh, this, this makes me feel good over here. Okay, we're going to do, do this, right? It's, it's really not a compliment to be called a sheep. But here's what we do know. When a sheep submits to a shepherd, that's where the power comes in. It's innate. You're born with it. It's instinct to hear the shepherd. Why would God create us with the ability to communicate and not communicate with us? Some people try to say that God doesn't talk today. But why would he do such a thing? Why would God call you into a personal relationship with him and then refuse to speak to you? It's, it's already hardwired in you. He wants to speak to you. We're going to start hearing from him. The, the second uh, truth about hearing from God is it's learned. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't have to have it all figured out. It is learned. Hearing the voice of God, it is learned. You don't have to be qualified for it. You don't have to, you know, earn it. But it is learned. Just like learning English. I speak, I don't know how many languages you speak. Many of you speak multiple languages. I speak only two and a half. Two and a half languages. Uh, the half is part French, part Spanish. Then I speak English and I, I count tongues in my other one too. So two and a half languages. Um, 
But when you're learning a language, you just start with a word, and then you learn two. And before you speak complete sentences, you speak, you know, fragments, right? But before you understand all the complexities of communication and, and grammar and all of that, you just, you start small and you learn. It's the same way with learning how to pray. The disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. So he did, and they learned. And they learned. It's the same with hearing the voice of God. You have to put yourself in a position to learn. These are things that we learn in community, by the way. That's why showing up to church, if you're watching online, there are many people watching online, by the way, that are engaged throughout the week and engaged, like, there's distance, but there's engagement there. This is the reason that you and I come together so that we can sharpen one another. Because I learn to hear from God as I'm talking to you. And you learn to hear from God as you're talking to me. You remember the story in, oh gosh, it was Samuel and Eli, right? And Eli is, where's my verse on that one? Oh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Um, Samuel was taught by Eli to hear from God. Samuel's laying down and God calls his name, says Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel thinks it's Eli. And he says, here I am. And there's no sound. So he runs over to Eli and says, hey, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. So Samuel goes back to sleep. He's laying down and he hears his name called again. So he runs over to Eli and says, here I am. And Eli says, I didn't call you. So he goes back and he lays down and he's, he's laying there. And God calls him and says, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel gets up. He doesn't know it's God. In fact, he's not even like a, a believer. He's not a follower of God, of the way. And so he runs over to Eli and he says, here I am. And by that time, Eli realizes what's going on. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, you can read it. Uh, Eli says, I'll tell you what, go lie back down. Uh, and it will be that when they call you again, instead of run over here to me, all you got to do is say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Your servant hears. So Eli was teaching Samuel how to hear from God. You see how that works? So you can learn how to hear from God. Now, there are some things practically that will help you hear from God. You can write these down to get you through the week until we get through a, a longer sermon next week with lots of tips and tricks and tools and experiments. But number one, get alone with God. You can't really position yourself to hear from God if you're not intentionally getting alone pushing out the world. God doesn't want to compete with your television. He will, but usually if he breaks through the noise, you don't want to hear that message, right? So you get alone with God in an atmosphere to hear him. Uh, the second thing I do is I, if I want to hear from God or if I need to hear from God and I get alone, I'll set the atmosphere. I'll turn on some worship music, something that just moves me, um, and then I give all my burdens to him. So I start out my prayer with, God, I just, these are the things I'm concerned with. I'm really missing my kids right now. As you can tell, I am. <laughs> but that's what I'm burdened with these days. God, I'm missing my kids horribly. And so if I'm not careful, my prayer time and hearing from God will be a pity party and a wine session. So I've got to give my burdens to him first. Whew. And then when I do that, 
I walk away from that moment and I'm more free to hear from Holy Spirit. Now, if I walk away and I've still got the pain and I've not really given my burden, I've not been in prayer. I was just complaining to God. Prayer will remove the burden. Complaining will just reinforce the pity, right? And it's okay, God will... God can handle your pity and your complaints as well. Don't beat yourself up. I do it too. But you know that you're ready to hear deeply from Holy Spirit if you give him your burdens. And then the third thing I do is I read scripture. I read scripture and then I journal what I think God is saying to me through that. The revelation, the, the thing that God's word is alive and what he's trying to say to me in that moment. And then I just acknowledge that he spoke to me and I move on. So it can be very, very simple, right? But the more that I acknowledge that I've heard from God, the clearer he gets. The third point, I'm just really out of time. I don't know where the time went. Where'd the time go? I don't know. I think it was worship. I got lost in worship. It was so good. Hearing from God matures, by the way. Can I just stop this right now and just deliver a few words that I've been holding on to all service? And I'm just so afraid that that I'm going to run out of time. Okay? All right. But this point's really good, too. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. But I will, maybe I'll cover this point next week about maturity. It's really good. The Lord wants to break body dysmorphia off of people. I heard it as clear as night and day. Eating disorder, body dysmorphia. If that's you, maybe it's multiple. Please stand to your feet right now. Body dysmorphia. Do I need to describe it to you? Body dysmorphia is you look in the mirror and you don't see yourself realistically. You, 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 see, you have some kind of distortion in your perspective of your mind. Okay, that is body dysmorphia. Um, and I think it's linked with, with eating, some eating patterns as well. Wow. And I know that it would take a lot of courage to stand, but if it's you, will you stand? standing, if you'll go ahead and lay your hand on them. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I've learned about the Lord. He doesn't, he doesn't give us heaven secrets like this unless he intends to bring healing to it. So because he's revealed it, that is a an indication that your breakthrough is in this moment.
right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost, by the authority, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I bless your spirit to receive all that Christ died for. All that Christ died for. The salvation is fantastic, but there is a wholeness that he died for. There is a mental health that he died for. And right now, in the name of Jesus, God, we just approach your throne boldly and we stand against the lies of the enemy that says we're not good enough, that we don't fit the mold, that we have to look a certain way. God, we thank you that the book of Psalms, the psalmist tells us that you knew us when we were formed in our mother's womb. God, you loved us then. You love us ever more so now. So God, I just come against right now every demonic attack of the enemy that would try to convince these sons and daughters that they're not enough, that their bodies aren't enough, that they don't look good enough or they're not healthy enough. And in Jesus' name, God, we just ask that you break the stronghold. God, we thank you that we don't have to fight for a victory that you've already won. So right now we step into healing, we step into wholeness, we step into freedom. In Jesus' name we pray, let the church say amen. Amen. Give that person a hug. All right, we have gone, we've gone way over, but we're going to pick up next week on how to hear Holy Spirit speak. All right? Please stand to your feet. I want to send you out with a blessing. you to go outside of these doors into the mission field and to carry the power of the gospel everywhere that you go to understand that you have authority through Jesus Christ you don't have a weak witness you don't have a small voice God I just thank you that our voices are coming back in the name of Jesus in Jesus name I want you to go be blessed I want you to take church with you on Monday morning, and we'll see you back here next Sunday at 1030. Amen. God bless you. We love you.